Yeah, we're not sure if we're going to be able to use that or not yet, but all it does is get too in the deep of the weeds on you. All it does is allow the official to make. You're talking to the nerdy fan base. Go as deep into the weeds <laughs> as you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forget sometimes. They keep reminding me of that. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode three of season five of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide and recorded from the state of hockey. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. Uh, we can uh, This week, we continue preparing for the start of the 2023-24 season by reaching out to Marco Hunt, the new director of officiating at the CCHA. Uh, we're hoping to chat about the upcoming season, what we can expect to be different and the same. Plus, uh, the crew will discuss the preseason polls that dropped today for the CCHA and probably touch on the Bowling Green situation that's been emerging all day so i think that's all we're going to cover so let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsors and we'll be right back with marco hunt fibke dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown rhinelander wisconsin home of the hodag look online at fibkedental.com or find them on facebook they do pain-free dentistry for kids adults people that went to great schools and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A-Tech.net. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. Thanks for joining us, Marco. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, so uh, just to talk a little bit about your backstory, how did you get to where you are today with officiating? I know you've been a ref for a long or were a ref for a long time, and, and we have a little bit of a history of getting to know you after games and series and whatnot. But how did you get your start in refing? Yeah, just lucky, I guess, right yeah. The uh, yeah. I guess the, the the short story long or long story short is um, yeah. I was a player. I played um, uh, collegially at Bemidji State, and throughout my youth and high school and that, I just I kind of picked up officiating just to make a couple extra bucks here and there, and um, didn't really have any 
goals or plans or anything to, to make officiating a career or even a, a side hobby. But um, when I, when I got done with school or I got done playing like four years up there, I still had a little school left. And so I, I moved back up there to finish my school and I, I was just going to ref. I was going to do youth hockey and just to make a couple extra bucks here and there. And then uh, um, got a hold of a guy in Bemidji that uh, needed a high school partner. And uh, he uh, recruited me a couple nights later. I was at uh, the, the high school meeting and I started working high school games. Um, and I, I would, I would meet the guys that would come into Bemidji to work high school games. You know, the, the, the Buzz Olsons, the Buzz Christiansons, the Tom Goddards. Uh, and those guys kind of got me moving in the right direction. I did move. I, I'm, I'm from Woodbury, um, just suburb outside of St. Paul. Yep. And I, uh, um, when I moved back down here, I got a lot of letter recommendations from all the guys up north. And I started working for the St. Paul Hockey Officials Association uh, here in St. Paul. And, and just kind of moved my way up to there and started working some Division three. Then I started working some junior hockey, USHL a little bit. Uh, Greg Shepard got the job um, as a WCHA uh, director of officiating and hired me. I worked five years as a linesman in the WCHA. And then I worked from 2002 till about 2017 uh, as, as a referee in the WCHA and then uh, the Big Ten when that started. I think I worked five years in the Big Ten. Um, and then I got off the ice in 2017, and I was I was working uh, as an observer for the Big Ten under Steve Piotrowski and did, uh, you know, just, just he, he allowed me to stay home and not travel very much. I traveled for training camp. I traveled for the playoffs. But uh, as you guys probably know, the, the life of the uh, college referee is – you know, it really, it's, it's great. It, it was, it was fantastic, but it's a lot of a weekend travel and you don't have a lot of weekends. So you work in a full-time job and then you're traveling uh, most of the time uh, on the weekends and you come back and you, you do it all over again. And so I just was kind of done with the travel at that point. Uh, gave me a chance to stay involved in college hockey, which I absolutely love and uh, just observe and help out as best I can with them. When the CCHA job came about, um, Commissioner Lucia and I have, have a long history uh, of me when I was on the ice, and he reached out to see if I had any interest in, in uh, being the director of officiating for this conference, and, and I did right away. So uh, that was kind of a, a, a nice thing. But, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a little bit of the background, maybe a little more than you guys wanted to know. No, but, uh, no that's exactly that's, what uh, we want to know. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. good. <laughs> So to follow up on that, since you brought it up, we had a, a Patreon question from Beaver Territory that said he believed you actually played with Tom Saratori up at Midgey State. Is that right? Yeah, we were there. Um, I think we were there three years together or two years, two years for sure. I know Tom started out at, uh, at Mankato. And okay. I, I get the, the years mixed up. We, uh, he, he always jokes that uh, we were line mates, but uh, you know, we were line mates for maybe a period <laughs> but yeah so we, we did play together and known, i've known ernie for a long time so yeah that's uh yeah that's good history there so so our so our patron wants to know what he was like as a teammate and if you could see him becoming a coach even way back then what was he like as a teammate yeah he was uh he, he was he was a good player he, he really was he was very smart um 
he was uh, he was crafty, just kind of like he is as a coach too. Just always with the quips and the one liners, but he always kind of he was kind of one step ahead of everybody else. Um, and, and he just uh, you could tell. And, and I I hope he's not listening because I don't I don't want him to hear too many good things that I say about him. <laughs> um, you could just tell he was an absolute student of the game, and he he was you know a lot of, a lot of guys going to coaching from Bemidji. I mean, uh, Coach Peters was really preach teaching. I mean, when the first day you show up uh, for, for hockey in September, uh, you get a, you get a three ring binder full of coaching material. And, and that's kind of what you add to as the years. And so, you know, it's, it, you know, Bemidji state was a teaching college for a long time and it's, it still is, but he really preached uh, uh, coaching and, uh, and, and you could just tell, tell uh, Ernie he had, uh, he had coaching his blood immediately. So, uh, it's not a surprise to see the success he's had and moving up and, and really he's don't see him as much as, you know, I used to obviously, but um, you know, he's the same guy now as he was when I, when I, when I was playing there a couple of years with him. So I think I caught you saying this, you called him Ernie, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Er, Ern is his nickname. Um, I, I kind of assume everybody knows him by Ernie. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for the tech I, fans I listening that maybe don't know, was why was why is his nickname Ernie? Yeah, that's a good question. You have to ask him that. I, I, <laughs> yeah, him or Frank, I don't know who oh. you asked him. Okay, but he's always been Ernie to me. So, well, from from what I heard, since maybe you don't want to say it, according to I think Beaver Territory, actually. His nickname is Ernie because he looks like Ernie from Burton Ernie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, you know what? That's true. Then. That's the first I heard of it. But yeah, it's, it's okay. I don't know. That's what I thought I heard somewhere on our Discord, and you can learn a lot from our Discord. Yeah, he's got a lot less hair now, then. So maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah, so to kind of follow along with that, um, talking about your refereeing career, Pitu also on Discord asked if if you knew Butch Musa, which I know you did, and we know that part, uh, but he was wondering if you could talk a little bit about Butch and, and maybe share a story about him if you had one. Yeah, I knew Butch. Um, yeah, just it, to this day, I just, it's just, I can't believe that he's not around anymore. I mean, he was just such a mainstay and um, he, he was truly one of, one of the best linemen I have ever worked with in my life. He was, uh, I know he had a chance to referee a little bit and he was a referee, uh, when that accident happened, but, um, but Butch was a linesman at heart and, you know, I'm sure you guys have all seen the video of him being mic'd up and, you know, and his little calls that he would do and, and you know, everybody loved Butch and, oh. Uh, the thing that really amazed me is, you know, Butch wasn't a, Butch, he wasn't a small guy. Butch was a big guy. <laughs> Butch, Butch could skate like the wind. I mean, he was such a good skater. And, you you know, the thing you'd notice when you got on the ice with Butch and he would take off in warm-ups, you know, right as you step on the ice, is just the powerful strides he had. And you could just hear the ice just just tearing underneath him when he took off. Um, and, I, you know, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people probably don't notice the referees and how good of skaters they are. But, um you know, if you ever get a chance, and you know, you guys are diehards, so you probably uh, do watch the referees. But they, they, they can all pretty, they can all skate pretty well at this level. And uh, but Butch was special. Butch could really go um, in smooth, smooth strides. Um, it, it, his his knack, and, and I hate to even say this to him because, uh, but I would say it to him if he was in the room. But he was always uh, he was always late, 
And he always had some excuse. So, you know, like Derek Shepard and I roughed a million games together. Derek and I used to, we used to joke about Butch. And it was always, like, oh, you know, truck, big truck tire in the road. Oh, there's a manure spreader jackknifed. You know, so it was always pretty funny <laughs> to see what Butch was going to come up with because he was getting pulled in a million different directions. If you knew about him and, and his personal life, being a native, and um, he just had a ton of family everywhere. Everybody knew him. Uh, but he was he was absolutely a fantastic linesman uh, and just one of the most pure, powerful skaters I've ever on the ice with. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I have I have pretty fun memories of when we got to hang out with Butch after games and whatnot, and he was always a, a good guy to have a chat with. So Yeah, Butch, uh, absolutely. Just, again, sad, sad that he's not here. Um, never met anybody. Uh, ever that's known Butch that just didn't have great things to say about him, and, and I hope we can all kind of leave the world that way. But uh, we, yeah. we we miss Butchie every day. Uh, yeah. So I probably should have saved that question for the pivot from the first half to the second half, but oh well. Um, so to to talk about your role here as the the director of officiating, what? Uh, what have what changes have you made coming into that role this year? Anything? Yeah, um, you know it's 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 really a it's a work in progress, right? Uh, you know, so you don't you probably don't get into the game of hockey to be the director of officiating, right? So um, <laughs> everything just kind of kind of comes into place. Um, when I got to off the ice in whatever it was, twenty twelve, I think, uh, when the Big Ten uh, or twenty twelve was when it started. Uh, when I got off the ice in twenty seventeen, um, it was. You know, it was kind of, you know, I'll back up a little bit. When, when, when the Big Ten and the NCHC started, um, the belief at that time was that um, us here in Minnesota, we would be able to work all three conferences. You know, we're, we're centrally located. So one night you'd be in Duluth, and then the next night you'd be in, uh, you know, in Mankato, and then the next night you'd be at, at Minnesota or the next weekend. And, and so, we kind of thought that's how it would work and the, the directors would all work with each other and assign us. And um, yeah, you may or may not know that's a, that's not exactly how it happened. So um, <laughs> you know, Donnie Adam took his guys and, and Pi took his guys and, and then uh, Greg was left kind of to cobble together a staff um, of guys that weren't working the other two leagues. And it was really a tough thing for him to do. And so um as as we kind of moved forward uh, to to now, we've had three distinct officiating staffs, um, and we really want wanted to kind of get back to like why do we have that? We have very qualified officials in every area, so why we why do we have three staffs? So I took this job after talking to um, at the time uh, talking to Pi Steve Petrowski. And then Mike Schmidt getting the NCHC job, and Mike and I have been friends for a really long time. And so um, we kind of had the same vision in place of like, hey, we need to have an officiating pool rather than three separate staffs. Um, and, and so we're, we're kind of moving in that direction. I'm, I know there were guys that, you know, NCHC guys and Big Ten guys that were working CCHA games, but it was usually the first half of the season or the non-conference uh, type part of the schedule and there really was no cooperation between the, the supervisors uh, to, to be able to make that happen. So um, 
frameworks in place to have that happen a little bit more. And we have some really qualified guys that are on our staff now. And so my job at this point is just evaluate what we have, try to sprinkle in some Big Ten guys and some NCHC guys when I can because they're, you know, everybody wants to work and they want to work more hockey. So um, working with the supervisors allows us to be able to schedule. We all use the same scheduling software. So we can go in and say, okay, who's available this weekend? You know, I want to use these guys this weekend. Are they available? That kind of thing. So as a referee or as an official, you just open up your software and you you accept your games and then you try to figure out what your what jersey you grab for that, that weekend. So um, the idea is to have three separate staffs, but kind of intermingle them. And, and so I brought in some guys that were not working the CCHA before and uh, had some tryout camps and are going to bring in some new blood as well because we want these guys always uh, striving for more and working to keep their positions. But we also want to have that carrot out there for the younger official to be able to uh, have a path to the to the uh, college hockey because, you know, let's be honest, the, the, the pro hockey route is really a tough one. And uh, most of the guys want to get – uh, on with their lives, get a real job and work, work in front of really, really good crowds and big, nice buildings and, and do it on the weekends and still be able to have a full-time job and, and be able to have a family and all that. So it's a great opportunity for guys. So we're constantly looking for new guys, guys that are working pro hockey, but guys are also working their way up through the division three ranks as well. And I'm using uh, Ed Zapita and Mike Elam, our uh, division, division three supervisors here. And um, our guys that aren't working are encouraged to be working for them on the weekends that they're not working for me. So um, we're just trying to get uh, a little bit smaller pool of officials and just keep them working more often and then keep building on that. So that's my biggest change. Um, and again, I'm, I'm kind of drinking from the fire hose here when it comes into this, this job. I don't really know what to expect. And I've told people a million times this same thing. It's, it's not what I know that scares me. It's the million things I'm not thinking about right now that kind of scare me about the job. So, <laughs> um, but we're, we're working on it. We're trying to get our staff as good as possible. This is a very, very good conference and it's just going to get better. And I know there's some BG got a Delta blow today and I'm sure you guys will get into it, but uh, our league is very good. And with, with Augustana joining and Augustana open up a new building and St. Thomas getting a new building. I mean, this is going to be, uh, an even better conference every year from now. I'm fully confident of that. So, I, I have a for I have a follow up question to that. Um, do you foresee the sharing of officials between the three Western leagues as a as it also a way to have some uh, greater consistency in the way games are called between the leagues? Because I feel like in the past we have seen that uh, at times the leagues seem to be not called you know same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's so, so there's a couple of things. Um, we, we have our training camp um, the same time, the same place as, uh, as the big 10 does. So it was uh, okay. two weeks ago, it was down in Chicago at the big 10 offices and, and our guys and the big 10 guys pay their own way to go down there. So it saves on the league uh, paying for the guys. NCHC pays for the camp and that was down in St. Paul this past weekend, but, um, we we just don't have the money for it, and the Big Ten wants to buy in from their guys as well. So 
so we're in the same room uh, as referees, and we bring linesmen and referees in, um, and they pay their own way, and they're happy to. And I would say they're happy to do it, but they do it uh, without even without complaining at all, uh, because it is important to them to to be on the same page uh, with all the Western. And Mike Schmidt and I have been in constant contact with stuff. Matter of fact, I went down to their camp. Uh, for a few hours on Friday just to kind of check in and see what their supervisors were talking about, shared some of the video that we shared and uh, went through some of the things they do. So, yeah, I think there's going to be more consistency with what's being called. Uh, we're we're going to keep having the same message out there uh, between Mike Schmidt and, and Pi and myself, the messaging and the videos that's being shared uh, throughout the year. I mean, I... I I don't think you guys really know. You probably have a little bit more of understanding than, than your average fan, but the, the amount of work and the amount of training that we put these guys through, um, they don't just show up, throw their bag on the floor, throw their stuff on and go out. I mean, it doesn't work that way. And, I, and there's a lot of guys that do that, uh, but they're working, you know, youth hockey and, and, you know, working 12 games a day, that kind of thing. Our guys are, are really, really interested in honing their craft and becoming better and better officials. And, and by, Having the the Big Ten office and the video capabilities that we have there, um, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story of what we do. So every official in the room has a clicker that's handed out, a uh, little remote control. We'll show a video clip up on the board, and then we'll we'll have different categories. We'll say, okay, well, um, A is it's a minor penalty, B is it's a major penalty, C is it's no penalty. And then everybody will click on, and then you can instantly see the data that pops up on it. So you, you see if there's if there's like a huge spread in guys, if a third of them are saying this and a third of them are saying that, and the other third is saying another thing, you know it's probably something we should talk about and we should discuss and get everybody on the same page. So there was a couple of goaltender interference ones where we had a split <laughs> right down the middle. Right? So – Goaltender interference, it, it, it irritates everybody. I watch a wild game and I get irritated. I'm like, well, how can it be a goaltender interference? Well, you're you're gonna see you're gonna see it one way, I'm gonna see it another. All we can do at that point is get our officials to be on the same page as far as criteria goes. And so if they know the criteria and they know what to follow, uh, and then they make that decision based on video review. Um, you know, we'll support, you know, whatever decision that they make. If they don't follow the criteria, if they don't follow the rules, if they don't know the rules, that's when it becomes difficult for a supervisor to be able to, to go in and, and, and support the call that was made on the ice. So, yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, yeah, it's going to provide more consistency using the officials, but the messaging is going to be the same uh, to the Big Ten as, as it is to us. Now, the Big Ten uh, and the NCAC have a lot more technology in their buildings, We'd obviously like to get to that point, but we understand what we're dealing with with budgets. Um, so, um, you know, that's a, that's something that's a concern for our guys. We want to make sure that our guys have the same opportunity to get the call right as they do in the other conferences. But the consistency will be will be better. Uh, I think you'll see as the year goes on. Yeah, sounds good.
Yeah, I love the fact that there's clickers involved, just like, you know, a, a college physics class. Like, that's where I remember using it at Tech. We all got clickers for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> handing theirs off as they're skipping class, though, right? And letting somebody no, else no, I clickers won't, right? for them. <laughs> we, don't, we don't take attendance, but, you know, it'll show. It'll show. <laughs> you know, we see somebody in lecture with, like, four or five clickers sitting out in front of them clicking for their buddies when we were in school, so. <laughs> well, you guys at Tech, you guys a little bigger room. than us referees, that's for sure. So. <laughs> I don't think our guys would even think that (laughs) (laughs) so you to bring up goaltender interference um from your perspective what are those criteria well the criteria is pretty simple it's you know do they did they enter the the blue paint did they enter the crease on their own and and did they uh did they have a way to to avoid the contact did they make contact with the goaltender and did they affect the goaltender's ability to save the puck so when you have those criteria in place then you really, you can make that decision. But like I said, we all know those criteria. And there was one where it was basically split down the middle. Um, and, you know, you, you're... And was it was it a video from Mankato last year by chance? No, it, well, it was actually a women's hockey official. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it was a playoff game in the uh, Hockey East, I think, in the women's league out there. And uh, and it was uh, a puck carrier was carry, carrying it in, and as they came through, they had the puck and and basically bowled the goalie in over and then tucked it in the net. And you know, to everyone, at, at, at the naked eye, it looks like a good hockey play. But if you go follow the criteria, the player entered the crease on their own without being pushed, uh, could have avoided the goalie, did not make contact with the goaltender, and affected the ability to make the, the save. And so. It should have really been no goal, but you know it's. We understand it's a tough call, and I think that's what that's what the point is. Is let's give our guys a criteria, a checklist to go down, and they should all know the checklist when they're going in there, and and let them make that suit because it's a little easier when you think about it that way than just um, you know just looking at it just blindly and yeah. saying, well, it looked to me like they interfered with them, but did they really? And, and there's going to be times where you know you guys don't agree with the call, I'm sure, and. Coaches like on that particular play, there's going to be one team that's happy and one team that's just absolutely pissed. So uh, we understand that. We just want to make sure it's consistent as possible and give them the criteria to to be able to make that call. So I hope that answered your question. I think that's the best answer I've ever gotten regarding goaltender interference because, as you said, there is so much subjectivity in how it call how it's called and. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's got their their own sort of fandom that and who they want to see at the end of the game, and that's going to affect how they see how that's called. But for me, hearing that there is a checklist that there that is being followed is just like big for me because I just never really got anything like that. I just feel so like ambiguous, like subjective. I've i it's just nice to hear that there's some kind of criteria. Yeah, you know, Matt, if you, if you know that. The, this, the first call of the year is going to be one that you don't agree with, right? So, I mean, it's, it sounds easy, <laughs> but um, it's going to be, uh, you know, again, and, that, and that's really the point is, is let's try to simplify it as best we can when we know that it's not a simple call and mm-hmm. there, and it's not going to be easy. And there's going to be times that uh, you're going to agree or don't agree. It's just, we really wish that, you know, you could kind of take emotion out of it, but you can't. And, um, you know, we're there as the third team on the ice to kind of try to, to make heads or tails of a play like that. And and I think my point at camp was like, you know, half the half your half the room got this call wrong technically. But I could support either call, to be honest with you, as a supervisor. 
but what we really want to do is just make sure that we're consistent with the, with the criteria you go down and make sure that you're, you're following it uh, as best you can when no play is consistent. I, I always get a kick out of the people that say, well, I just want consistency. Well, if every play was consistent, then you'd get consistent calls on. So yeah. it's hard to be consistent when it's an inconsistent game. But in that regard, we just want to make sure that they have the right tools uh, to make the call. And, and even there, even following those criteria, there's still 50% of the room that, that said the other way. And these are officials. So yeah. you, you can imagine that, you know, on the ice that there, there's going to be tension on a call like that. It's just the nature of the beast. So. Well, and it's really hard for fans, including us, to separate wanting the right call and wanting the call that helps us. Yeah. And, and no and matter no what you call, else. you're going right. to frustrate one fan base. And... And we said this, I think, last week, where the biggest problem with goaltender interference is that unlike pretty much every other call on the ice, it's one of the few calls that either scores a goal or doesn't, where everything else, like a five-minute major or a, or a minor or a double minor, any of that stuff, it might be a bad call or a mistake, but the team that gets called for has the chance to recover by not allowing a goal on the power play. Right. Whereas the the goaltender interference, it's either a one or a zero on the scoreboard, and it's a big play, and it stinks that it's. I mean, it's nice to hear this bullet point list that now, when something like that happens, at least we have something to to more directly go explain to people why we think this call went this way because of the criteria you've laid out, but beyond that it's 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 so hard because it it's the only play that really directly impacts the scoreboard yeah it's very tough and that's why you know the ncaa has got given us guidance on, on what they want to call and you know and, and it's not just a committee of people you know that are hockey people there's hockey people on the committee and and they they have tried to come up with and simplify as best they can and in this video replay era that we're in, it just becomes very hard um, because you're slowing it down to such a degree where a call on the ice just just can't can't be upheld without video review anymore. And so the consistency part of it comes in where we really want just the tools, right? Like you said, it's just consistency with the tools and and make sure that you know the rules um, and and you know really what separates a, a really good official from an average official is how they manage the bigger moments. And so there's big moments in the game. Now you can miss a trip or you can miss a interference or something in the first period, but when it's in overtime or it's a call that takes a goal off the ice or off of the board, those are the bigger moments. Those are the ones where our guys got to really manage those. So yeah. uh, that's, that's, you know, that is a good point. Uh, it takes a goal away. So, is this a rule year or not? I forget. Nah, it's a non-rule change year. Okay. Um, so what? So Jonathan Zamedas, our our uh, call, weekly columnist, asked another question that I think kind of fits in here. Is that are there areas of focus for calls this year? Like, yeah, is there an area um, of emphasis? Yeah, the emphasis, the points of emphasis haven't really changed. Uh, you know, there's they've made some tweaks here and there to certain things. There's um, you know, too many men uh, is not a video review anymore, those kind of things. But there's not really many 
changes in a non-rule change year. Um, we have submitted as a league, we've submitted um, an experimental rule uh, for high sticking that's similar that mirrors the NHL rule. Uh, we're not sure if we're going to be able to use that or not yet, but all it does is get too in the deep of the weeds out of you. All it does is allow the official to make. You're talking to the nerdy fan base. Go as deep into the weeds <laughs> as you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget sometimes. They keep reminding me of that. Um, so the, uh, the the high stick when it's when it's not around the net, uh, the NHL is shoulder length, shoulder height. Uh, it's just so John Scott it's can easier. chop someone's head off. John, well, I'm not high sticking the player, high sticking the puck. Okay, fair so, enough. Gotcha. But yeah, so if you're playing the puck uh, below the shoulder level, it is a play on. Uh, if you play, and it's four feet for the net. So anything into the goal would have to still remain four feet. It's just a, it's a tough call to make when you got guys that are, you know, six eight on the ice or whatever they are, and and so shoulder height allows the referee to be easier to make a call on something. That's the that is the hardest call the overturn right on especially if you don't have ice level cameras um but uh, yeah so that's just that's a rule that um that uh don lucia really wants in and and i support that it's it's fine um if we can do it now we had to submit some uh some rules to the art we had to submit that to the rules committee and they'll they'll allow us to be uh, use it as an experimental rule in conference play only this year. We'll, we'll find that out. So, so the current rule in college hockey is no contact with the puck above the crossbar is what you're saying? Yeah, about four feet, correct. Anywhere on the ice? Anywhere on the ice. Okay, I did not realize that distinction. Yeah, without that frame of reference, that's got to be really tough for a ref to be able to call, whereas you do the shoulder height, you you have that reference point right away. It makes it a lot easier. I, I completely yeah, understand that. Absolutely, and, that, and that's yeah. what we're getting at. Okay. Yeah, and especially when it's away from the goal, it's, you know, as long as there's not a player in, in there right with them, but I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be that way instead. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's really, it help, it's helpful for us. And, and, you know, we want less whistles. We want more. We so, keep the play going. So when will you know if that's that experiment's been approved? Uh, before the season starts, for sure. I, I'm okay. not sure. I just, we, we they wanted language, and I had to get language from the NHL rule book. Uh, and submit that last week, and so I'm sure they'll take some time to, to review it. Okay. Yeah, the NCAA works. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not going to go into effect this year, but we tried. Okay, that that sounds about right. <laughs> and I, I would be I would be surprised if it doesn't get into the rules uh, next year, which would be January. Okay, so so more than so, you're you're talking about trying to implement that NCA wide next year. No, the new next year, yes. Yes. yes, we're we're hoping that gets into the rule changes for the NCAA next year. Okay, and then what you're and hoping actually, to be able to, would, yeah, yeah. If we used it for the season this season in our league, it would, and we could have some data for, you know, how many whistles it prevented or whatever. Then it it would probably go a long way into getting that rule implemented in the league or nationwide next year too. So. And you said that was Don Lucia really pushing that and you agreeing yes. with it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um any other questions, guys? I don't think so. No. Okay. So Daniel Faber, one of our other patrons, asked, uh, with the added time of offside reviews being made uh more apparent in recent years, 
and the push to reduce unnecessary reviews in the game, has the CCHA given any thought to either eliminating offside reviews or restricting review to a limited length of real time for replays? Uh, the general thought being that if it's not egregious enough to call under real time, then it is not a significant con- uh, contributor to the play. So for offsides reviews. Yeah. So I, I think I got that question. Okay. Um, so really we are really trying to get to the point where everything is a challenge. Uh, so offside review is a challengeable play. So we don't want our linesmen going in and viewing uh, an offside because they think they missed one. So they have their timeout, they can challenge an offside and then they can uh, you know, take a look at it at that point. That same thing really goes for anything on the ice now because we really do want to get the unnecessary reviews not uh, taken. But we really we, we want our guys to get the calls right uh, by whatever means they can. Uh, you know, if it's a ten minute review and they get the call right, then then you know it's hard to complain about that. But we really want to eliminate the the, the, the unnecessary reviews um, unless they are challenged. So um, I, I hope that answered part of that question. I think so. Well, the less we have to listen to the Jeopardy theme song at the Mac, the better, right? So, <laughs> yeah. time to get something new, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> well. so, if it's not a rules year, didn't I hear though that they changed the the challengeability of too many men this year? Yeah. yeah. So, how did they, that they, happen? They, well, the the rules committee was able to make a couple of changes, and I and I wish I had my notes in front of me here. I told you, sorry guys. But I, well, that's one of them where it's like the, uh, the, uh, the review for too many players on the ice uh, was taken out. Uh, and that just because it was too, too ambiguous, right? We had, so what we had was, um, you know, we had that, the five feet from the boards type of thing. So um, I remember a few years back when they first put that in, uh, Bob Motzko challenged a couple right away. Um, because it let you know it, it was a change, and then they scored a goal on it. So then they put the rule in that it had to con- directly contribute to the goal scored. Um, so you were having reviews done to see a guy, um, you know, a defenseman coming off the ice, not five feet from the boards, and his replacement coming out and getting up the ice, and then the puck comes to them and they bang it in. So they were reviewing that as well, not as in a challengeable offense anymore. So what we're doing is that we're instructing our linesmen to just be cognizant of that, uh, that we don't want that, you know, there's there's a player coming off the ice and they're like 25 feet from the bench and then they send the guy from the far end of their bench and so you're gaining, you know, 40 feet of territory there. Um, and, and so it's a very tough call for a linesman to make and they've got uh, 10 other things to be looking at, but that is something that we've been training them on. Uh, is to make sure, and you know, if it if it if it happens right away, and you know, usually they like to communicate and say, "Guys, you got to be better than that. You got to clean that change up." Um, and if it leads to a goal, then they're gonna call a penalty on it. But um, that is the one um, one that they did strike through the rule book um, with the verbiage on there, just to kind of, kind of help uh, clarify it, and make it not as hard for our guys. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from listeners like you. 
You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Are you in the market for insurance? Have your rates for home, auto, boat, or more been increasing way beyond inflation? If so, maybe it's time you spoke with Aaron Piedela and the team at Arcadia Insurance Group, serving Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and more. Who better to serve you than a former Michigan Tech player? For more information, call 866-511-1069 or go to ArcadiaAgency.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is are the rosters updated for officials on the CCHA website yet? I believe um, Perry has updated those. Um, I, I gave him my final list. Um, okay. And uh, and and I, I think that with numbers and everything, I think we've got everybody on there. Uh, so so still no Matt Allwelling in the league. No, as a matter of fact, I was just thinking about Matt Allwelling, and I I just you know Matt and I. Um, I worked a lot of games with Matt. As a matter of fact, Matt and I worked, he was the linesman for me in uh, 2009 uh, okay. National Championship game. So um, we get a uh, long history. I don't even know if he's skating anymore, to be honest with you. Okay. Because I know last year or the year before, we had talked about getting him on the podcast because he played at Tech and talking right. about being a referee or a linesman. And then come to find out he's not working after the switch because I think that's kind of. Like when the WCHA went to the CCHA, I think that he was kind of done around that time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, and I should reconnect with him because, like you said, I, you know, I, I know he's, he works for Marvin up there in that world. And so if, he, if he ever wanted to come back in, I, I could probably take him back. <laughs> yeah. Are you in the Twin Cities then? Yeah, I'm in Woodbury. Can we get some ice sometime and get out there and you can physically explain uh, how uh, players can violate a face-off violation. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would be happy to do something like that. I, okay. uh, my knees are so bad right now that I don't even think I can. I haven't put on a pair of skates for a while, so okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you guys want stuff explained, I would have absolutely problem like getting a couple of players or even you know videotaping something for you too. Okay. Um, you know, that we can show. Um, my son is a, a high school player here. I'm sure a couple of his buddies. But... Yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll gladly uh, meet you out in Woodbury sometime and we can uh, get some get some cameras on it and talk through all the different ways that players can violate a face-off and try and show it on video to explain it. Because I think it's, I think, th- I think that would be very useful because it's one of the hardest things 
for me to understand because, and I get that it's hard to beyond just uh, part of the problem that makes it so hard is because it's not just the guys that are trying to hit the puck that gets dropped. It's the other guys too, that can violate as well. So it's, it's, I get that. Um, so it's just something that would be good to better understand. I know um, we've had a few different discussions trying to explain it. And, and I think, video would really help in us getting something published to to circle back to when it happens and try and understand yeah. which one it was would be good. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you know, so it's just, to, and again, it's probably more of what you wanted to talk about in the first half, but yeah, it's a uh, face off is, is, is such a, and you guys know this, it's such a huge part of the game. It's a turnover. And, um, you know, I used to preach that to, to my, my son's team because I, I coached um, him all the way up in some bands. You know, so so guys make careers out of uh, in the NHL about being good faceoff guys, and also the linesman. It's it's a it's a skill for the linesman to get that puck down. You have a millimeter of a second to be able to get that puck down squarely and and fairly. So you want to make sure that both players come set, and they don't have to come set for a whole second. They got to come set for that much, and then boom, the puck's down, right? So you just don't want the momentum of that second guy down to come through uh, and gain an advantage because he's the second guy in. Uh, so, you know, there's the touch and goes and, um, you know, where your feet are located. And it's it's like, you know, we talk about this when we talk to our linesmen too. It's like, you know, you don't allow you to have both skates inside the blue line and just say, oh, that's close enough. When the puck's going across, we call it offside. So we have the same type of mentality on faceoff. So you can have your skates on the line or close to the circle, um, but you can't be over the circle and you can't be uh, more than you know, halfway in on the circle. So there's there is something to what's you know allowed and what isn't allowed. And then when we do have a face-off violation, we want to make sure that that second face-off is has integrity as well. So um, I, I would love to explain more. I think it's I think it's the more fans know about the rules and what's being looked at what's called the, the easier they have to understand it and and then they don't you know go on the message boards and rip us up and down as much either so it's probably gonna do that of course but um it's uh it, it's just that anytime i can educate I, i'm happy to do it yeah no I, I i know it's something we wanted to do and and now that i'm closer to to the head of officials i think it'll be easier to pull off um so yeah we'll we'll um We'll definitely try and figure something out and try and get some video out there to explain the different ways violations can happen. Cause it's, it's really hard as a fan to pick that out. And, and maybe if we do a better job of explaining all the different ways that a face-off can be violated, it'll be easier for fans to maybe pick out which one got called. Cause yeah, most of the do. time when I see a violation called, I'm looking at it going, didn't the other guy do the same thing? Like what did he do different? That was wrong. Um, so that's what's hard to pick out. And and I know as a fan, it's always going to be tough because, you know, you're not really looking for that stuff until it's called. Um, but maybe if we get that video out there and they know what to look for, maybe they'll notice it more before it gets called. So Right. And, and you know, when you say that before, because I, I, I see the same thing, um, where you see, you know, both centers go at the same time, which you think is the same time, but. Um, you rarely see an NHL linesman throw both centers out of the faceoff. There's one violator, and that's their job, and they've been trained to know which one is the one that violated it first. 
which one would jump first? And and you know, as a fan, you, you probably don't pick up on it like they do, and you should, you know, you shouldn't have to. But that's what we're looking for is is the violator, yeah, uh, who started it, and and that might you know just showing you what it grow that looks like on real speed, like way up there. Yeah, that'd be great. So you talked about the the ref sharing. How does that impact who's able to to ref which playoff games in the tournament? Yeah, so another good question, guys. Um, it so you have to work fifteen con, you know, you have to work fifteen games, um, and that doesn't matter what conference you're in. But once you work, uh, it, once you work the semifinals or I think it's quarterfinals of your league, um. Then you are official of that conference, and so as soon as I put guys on the ice for quarterfinals, they're they're going to be CCHA officials. Okay. As far as the, the the swapping goes, as long as they work fifteen contests throughout the year, they're eligible for an NCAA sign. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna be considered the contest um, for my you know they're gonna be a CCHA official if they work my playoffs or if they work more than fifteen conference games. Uh, for the CCJ as well, so we'll have um, we'll have some guys, you know, once once we get down, like now I, I've got I've got two or three weekends where I've got seven crews going, uh, so I, I need a, uh, quite a few guys, and then you got the Big Ten with some of their non conference, and then uh, NCHC's got their non conference, and so there's you know everybody's working a couple of weekends in there in October November. Once we get down into league play. Um, you know, we'll start to narrow it down and they'll, you know, Pi and, and, uh, and uh, Mike Schmidt and I will get together and we'll say, all right, I've got this series this weekend. Who's working for you um, and, and who's not? And then we'll start to kind of intertwine. Uh, all that does, again, like I talked about earlier tonight, is, is it, 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 it makes my staff better because I've got more experienced guys. It also protects guys uh, with the, you know, I don't want my, best two officials on a game and something controversial happens and now I can't use them again the following weekend. Um, you know, so it's, you know, we want to try to protect the guys a little bit down the stretch to make sure that they're not overexposed on a team as well. Um, you know, we've got seven teams in the Big Ten. We've got eight in our conference, nine now in our conference. And uh, so there's, you know, it's not like a 12-team conference where you're not going to see the same team a lot. So if we can intertwine and we can use some of our guys in the Big Ten or the NCHC and some other guys can come work uh, in our league, it makes everybody better, and it also kind of protects the guys. So. And then you said earlier that is Alaska Fairbanks the only school that we're helping with referees? Anchorage so, as well. Anchorage, Anchorage is playing – yeah, Anchorage. Uh, if Anchorage is playing a Division One um, team, a Division One varsity game, um, we will provide the referees for them. Okay. Uh, and then Fairbanks plays an entirely Division One schedule, so we provide all the referees. For them as well. Okay. Cool. And that's a great thing for us to be able to get some of our younger guys refereeing uh, and, and keeping them busy. And guys actually do it don't mind pulling up. I don't think they want to go up to Fairbanks in January, February, but. Now, they're lining up right now up there in the fall. Yeah. Uh, well, Marco, I think we got through all the questions. Uh, we covered everything that I think we really wanted to. So thank you for joining us this week on the podcast. Yeah, anytime, guys. I, I, it was a pleasure. Um, I, you know, I, 
as you probably could tell, I can I could talk uh, college hockey with you guys uh, anytime you need it. And and again, if during the season, if you guys have questions, um, we'll get bogged down into the day to day of things. But there's obviously uh, it's it's my job as the director to try to keep everybody educated on what's going on, rule changes and different things that happen. Uh, and if you have have a question or you need an interpretation, just reach out. You guys know how to get all of me. Sounds great. Thanks for joining us, Marco. Yeah, thanks. Good. Boys, talk soon. One minute remaining in the podcast. So that should pretty much do it, right? Anything yeah, else? I think so. All, All right. right. We're All good. Right. We're, we're at two hours almost. So <laughs> Yeah. I think it, I think we did a pretty good job of keeping it split reasonably well. I think I'll probably let some of the... I'll probably try and cut out those couple segments that fit more in the first half with the first episode. Um, when this actually drops for the public. But uh, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Uh, patrons that are white level or above receive question priority. Uh, black level or above receive access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the gold level or above receive unfiltered YouTube video of our podcast each week. And then we've got one level above that where you get the raw audio released almost as soon as I can get it up after we record. So you'll be listening here at, you know, 11 o'clock on Monday night. Um, follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Hopefully in the next couple weeks, we will have accounts on Blue Sky since I just got my account there. Um, so I'll try and get both of those tied up when I get two more um uh, the ability to add more people. Uh, you can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Don't forget to submit to or subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, if you're new to this or you're looking for a new way to do it, please try and use Spotify because that one gets us the most um, commercial money for any commercials that run on the podcast. If you are listening to our podcast and you hear an advertisement that is not read by Rob, Dustin, myself, Matt, or my daughter, please let us know on Twitter. I'd love to hear about it because I want to know how much that's happening. Um, I think we're going to start adding a second um, uh, spot for those ads to run. And I'm intrigued to see how how much that actually happens. Um, if you can't find the podcast, uh, find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know. We'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people you can reach. So tell your friends. If you give us a five-star rating, Dustin will read the review no matter what you say. So let's get some more ratings. Get us up there. I know dropping the multiple episodes a week should help us get back into the, the USA Apple or the USA hockey rankings on uh, uh, Chartable. So that'll be great. We got pretty close. I think we were actually in the top 200 podcasts for a little bit last week. But as we get closer to actually getting, you know, our usual hundred some listens within a week, we should be able to get there. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, Arcadia Insurance, covering most of the Midwest, including Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, I think Ohio. I got to look on that one and Livonia Technical Services out of Livonia, Michigan. And finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.
You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.